If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the bulletproof entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Welcome to the show. It's your host, Chi Odogu, and you're tuned into, as always, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. Today's guest is Gossi Okonwoke. Gossi is the founder of the Benny American University, a privately owned tertiary institution that's providing high quality education to students in Nigeria. Gossi also runs the Benny American online platform, which provides top quality courses for students that are looking to upgrade their skills and make themselves more marketable in the current job environment. So Gossi's come here to tell us a little about about how he got started, how he's running his programs, how he's running his business and businesses, his plans for the future, and, of course, how to run a company in the education space. So get your pen and your paper ready because you're going to want to take a lot of notes because Gussie's sharing a whole bunch of wisdom nuggets for you. But before we continue, a little housekeeping. I'd like you guys to go to our website, that's www.odeshi.com, and sign up to receive our emails. We'll be sending out a summary of all the podcasts, and of course, as we release new blog posts, new podcasts, email courses, online courses, the fastest way for you to get information and stay up to date on what we're doing is for you to be logged on to our email so, go to www.odeshi.com and sign up to receive our email and newsletters. So, with that said, let's get on with the rest of the show as we're talking to Gussie. And at the end of the show, I think we have a surprise for you guys. So, you might want to listen real, real closely because, yeah, you'll miss it if you don't get to the end. So, and I'd also like to apologize for the sound quality of the interview. We did our first recording live at a cafe, and um, in the process of editing, we just couldn't get out all the background noise that you hear. But um, the audio of the guest, Gossie, and myself come out pretty clear, but we're just a little bit drowned out by the background noise. So please bear with us and, um, and try to get all the juicy nuggets of wisdom you can out of the interview. I wouldn't want you to miss out on the tremendous value that Gussie shared just because of um, a little background noise. So please bear with us. And without further ado, here's the interview with Gussie Ukanoke of Benny American University. All right. Good morning, guys. Welcome. Oh, should I say good afternoon, guys? Welcome to the show. Uh, this is my first live in-person interview, so bear with me if it's not what you're used to, but it's going to be very, very good. I'm talking to Gossi Kamuke. Gossi Kamuke. Gossi is the founder of Benny American University, Nigeria's first private online university. He started the company roughly two, hours, two to three years ago in 2012, and from just basically a website teaching people about entrepreneurship, corporate diplomacy, and other platforms, he's now expanded that to a live campus university that has over 100 acres and is building it out to house students from all across the globe as well as have visiting professors from across the world to come and teach students in Nigeria. So, before I give out too much of Gossi's story, Gossi, welcome to the show. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Um, hi guys, uh, my name is Gossi. And um, I think I consider myself a nice guy at, at BAU because I, I basically do everybody's work. So I think apart from the, from the academic work, I, I do all the work in marketing, business development, policy development, or what, whatever, students, support, anything that is to be done, I do it. And uh, I have a bachelor's in uh, information systems management and a 
think that's where the whole story started. And from doing from my bachelor program, I had a project, Student Circle Network, that introduced me to education. And I think it's just a question of you know, continuous uh, interest in solving problems as I see them in the, educa in the education markets. And we've gone from an online institution. And I think the point of correction is the online university is BAU Online, which is the full okay. name. Okay. And Benny American University is the fiscal university that we're building. Okay, so there are two entities. Yeah, there are, two, there are two different institutions. Okay. So we have the BAU Online and the proposed Benny American University, which is uh, the fiscal the school university that we're we're building out okay yeah so that's uh that's that's where we are and that's uh that's i think that's a summary of the story and i think i could answer questions as they come okay so i mean before we go any further i'm sure you've gotten a lot of heat and flack over your name benny american so um, i think i understand where you're coming from but what is the benefit of having like an American educational philosophy backing up what you're trying to do. Yeah, uh, you know, many, many people always question why American? Why can't you have African University or Nigerian University? And even sometimes I receive strange messages from people saying you should be Benny Biafra University. The first reason is for the name, um, every university is supposed to have a name that reflects the kind of institution it is. So that's why you have universities of agriculture, you have universities of technology, you have universities of science and technology, and the rest. And it's, a, it's an international standard. Um, and then, but the reality is, at the time we were starting, there was no benchmark for us to build out our institution. The only benchmark we had at the time was the American model. So we, we built out everything we did based on the American model. So our curriculum was based an American model, but uh, with a with a reflection of our of our continental and national reality. Um, we our calendar is American calendar. The, so you run on semesters and you have multiple sessions. Yeah, multiple sessions. We have about three semesters every year. Um, we have the fall, spring, summer. Um, the calendar is the same way: fall, spring, summer. Um, most of our lectures, are, most of our courses are three credit courses, and for the basic programs, humanities and the rest, you need 120 points. Um, but we also bring in the, the real, the, the national reality. So our grade point average is not 4.0 at this point; it's, it has to be 5.0 because those, those are the, the the great point average for universities in Nigeria. Okay. Uh, so we bring international, we put international standards, and we sort of structured them to play within our reality as a nation and uh, our reality as a continent. Okay. So does having a five point GPA scale have any significant impact? No, 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 no. It's just number. No, no, it's just a number. It's just a number that allows you to better understand what A, B, C is. Okay. Uh, at the end of the day, an, an institution can determine what they want their A to be. Okay. Uh, so for us at BAU, um, to get an A, you have to get up to a 90 okay. out of 100 in the course. While in other Nigerian universities, to get an A, you have to get a 70. Um, so it doesn't necessarily change anything okay. because I can also make a 50 and it's a super 5.0 CGPA. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's just a great point average to help understand the cost load okay. and the cumulative um, great points okay. uh, by cost load. Okay. Yeah. So and when it comes time to graduation, mm -hmm. they, how, how do you have your graduation? Is it based off the American, like, Latin? Yeah, we have the Summa Cum Laude okay. and uh, Magna and the rest of them. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So basically, those are just the main lecture. Yeah. I don't know, because I can also, I can also say great honors or yeah. with honors, or with the highest honors. So it's, just, it's just the main lecture. Okay. Really, I think the one the we should really focus on is what kind of learning are we providing? Mm. Are employers happy with the, with the work we're doing? Are the students happy with the work we're doing? Are their parents or whoever it is that is paying for the education happy with the learning that they're getting at the, at the institution? If the answer is yes, and well, rather if the answers are yes, mm -hmm. and then we're doing we're doing something right. Every other thing is just semantics and nomenclature. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let's go back in time a little bit to find out more about what got you on this path to social entrepreneurship or educational entrepreneurship mm -hmm. before we now dive deep into. Jenny American. So, 
tell me about your very first entrepreneurial venture. I believe you started a company that you sold a couple of years ago that is not really widely known. <laughs> I, 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 tend, I tend to only talk about my technology ventures. <laughs> I know, we want to get everything. Well, um, perhaps I have restrictions on conversations I have around this project okay. because, of that, because, of their, because of how sensitive they are, okay. security-wise and, and the rest. Um, well, yeah, I, I've had projects that prior to Student Circle Network that had mm-hmm. to do with um, um, technology infrastructure, infrastructure for the federal government, for the aviation industry, and for the defense industry, actually. Okay. You know, I think we've also dabbled in technology um, provision for the prison service, okay. the Nigerian prison service at some point as well. Okay. Um, so that, that, sort of that was the background before I went on to, to uni again and started off Student Circle as a university student. Okay. And Student Circle started off as, you know, I, while I was in, in uni, in my first year, um, I was coming from running businesses and, and actually having real businesses. So there are lots of things that I already knew, mm-hmm. the practical aspect to them, prior to coming to, to the university to learn those things. Um, so I had, so I built out a system uh, for them to queue up the tasks mm-hmm. and eventually grew out of my small um, circle. I started having more students from other universities in in the country who were signing up. And it it turned out that we just had students and our circle was growing. Really, that's how the thing came about. Our circle of students kept growing and other students who had the ability to help others with their projects also got involved. So I wasn't the only one who was solving the students' projects anymore. We are all helping out to each other. And um, at a point, it became a full-scale social network because I kept adding features. So uh-huh. I added a messaging feature. I added, added a friend um, connection feature. Uh-huh. So that, that was when the social level came in. Um, and you built all this yourself? Yeah. Um, okay. you know, I added a, groups, a group feature. So the, the features kept coming on. I sort of became a, a social network. And we applied to become a member of the Open Coursework Consortium. Uh-huh. And we became the only non-institutional member of the Open Coursework Consortium at the time. Okay. And what that meant was we got resources from MIT and Open University in the UK and lots of other top quality universities. Mm-hmm. And we put those contents on the platform for free for students to have access to. Mm-hmm. And lots of those students you know, took advantage of all the resources that we gave them. Okay. And like they say, the rest is it's history. Yeah. Okay. Why did you decide to leave that venture? Or um, the first thing is due to the sort of um, Creative Commons and uh, OER uh-huh. licenses on the resources that were on Student Circle, we couldn't make any money from it. Okay. So we couldn't even put ads on any pages where those contents uh, oh, were, wow. were available. So the only way we could, at the time, sustain the network was just from my private money uh, and all. And students who were coming to use Student Circle from West Africa and other sub-Saharan African countries were more interested in getting degrees and taking examinations out of the content that we're getting on Student Circle. So I decided to figure out why there was that need to have certificates and uh-huh. take exams and take lectures. I think that the, the research and the discovery led to BAU Online, okay. uh, you know, to, to come to being. So I could easily say that students could became BAU Online. Okay. Um, if you also notice, the same trends have happened with um, the... Udemy and Coursera and Co. Initially, they were not providing certificates, but now you actually pay to get a certificate. And so, because people at the end of the day want to show something for the learning that they've gotten. And it's also a good way to sustain the the, the, the learning that you're providing on the platform. if you're bringing high-quality teachers, high-quality teachers are not cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, high-quality content is also not cheap. It might be, it might not pay for it, but that, that doesn't mean, to, it mean it's not cheap. Yeah. It has to be paid for one or the other. Yeah. Um, and in order to sustain it, and since we're not a foundation of any sort, so we had to transition into becoming BAU online, okay. provide real learning based on a, on a structured curriculum online to students from all parts of the world. And it's for me, sometimes when I look at the statistics of students who have used BAU online, it amazes me 
And I noticed a particular trend. As the whole issue in the Middle East started happening, we started having Muslims from Syria, Iraq, and Libya, Yemen. We have, we have yeah. When and the issue when issues start in a new country, we have a huge influx of students. Yes, who want to take learning online. I just want to add something. Many, many, many of them are transitioning to other countries okay. as refugees and all of that, and they just need some certification when they're going to the, to the new country they're going to. So I can help them be marketable, help them yes. find, find jobs and the rest of that. So okay. it's it's so it's so amazing. We just created a relationship with a, with an institution in Somalia that wants, because of the security situation, that wants the students to come take their courses on BAE online um, so that they can guarantee their safety and they can get some uh, level of structured learning online and, okay. and all of that so I, I, I see that we're really solving the problem okay. not just for Nigerian students but students across the world who really want learning but because of one factor or the other they're unable to get that learning so it's it's been it's been an, it's been an amazing journey okay. and um, we're, we're, we're enjoying every step of the way so how are these people finding you are you doing like active online marketing campaigns or what, 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 what how would somebody for example in Syria like find BAE and register for a class in BAE as opposed to maybe I don't know MIT or any other yeah the thing that I think the first, yeah the first thing is this the reality is we provide a certification for them mm-hmm. so. Yeah, so we, we, we provide a certification for them. So that's that's that provides uh, a level of something they can hold on to. You can go to MIT Open Courseware. Uh-huh. Nobody knows everything in the nobody can take your word for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's uh, you need something that can get you through the door. Okay. So you need some sort of proof or evidence. Yeah, that can get you through the door. Before you can even get to the point where you have to implement the knowledge and prove that you can actually do the work. Okay. Yeah, so the, the certificate helps you get through the door before you can be invited to come and test out something you can write letters I can do this I can do that the certificate can actually help you get through the door and then you can now show that you can do the work Um, I realize that people read interviews we've had some good coverage on the work we're doing and people trust some of the some of the channels of you know that have talked about the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think CNN would probably just come feature a startup as ours without doing a lot of research. Yeah. While we're even while they were here shooting the, the interview, they did a lot of research. They contacted our students independently. Okay. They went to the students independently to interview them and see them learning. Um, checked out our campus and so extensively people see that okay these guys are pretty much fly by night yeah uh, on the other hand too is um, the fact that we're an American university is an attraction yeah. and we're not in America that's another attraction it might be surprising but the fact that an American university that is not in America is, a, is an attraction to some students why they don't have to go there okay that's the first thing okay. but they can get the same Value. They can get the same value. Yeah. At obviously much, much lower cost. Exactly. So much more lower cost. And we've been running on, uh, lots of scholarship programs. So we come out to individuals and say, do you want to sponsor 20 students to take programs on BAU online? Some of them accept 20 students, 5 students here, five, 10 students there. We announce the scholarships and we reach out to the students and do the sign up. And from there, it becomes word of mouth. Once we have, we, we, for the first time, we had a student from Nepal. He just completed his program. Now we have four new registrations from Nepal. So it's just word of mouth. Oh, I heard from my friend, I heard from my friend, and they're signing up. And Nigerian students are even more happy. Uh, yeah, students from all over the world. Yeah, I have a particular student who keeps you know, writing me sometimes to say that he never really understood what he was missing learning wise until he took a program from BA online. He's a, he just finished his masters from an ancient university. So he's been in the education system. But he says for the first time he has learned something. Yeah so those are, what, what, what did he actually take away from this experience? Uh, what made him write this letter? Can you remember one specific thing he said? He 
was particularly touched that he could get the learning that he could get. And there are lots of Nigerian students who are not getting such learning. He, he, got, he got learning that he could use. And he keeps saying, sometimes I see his post and he keeps saying, oh, you know. He, so it wasn't just theoretical based, it was something that he could actually apply. Yes, this is something. getting value from right Yes, away. this is something he could actually, he actually would use. Okay. He, he, he could use the learning. Okay. And that was for him, that was amazing. Mm. And he says that he can, he, he keeps implementing some of the knowledge he's gotten okay. in his everyday life. He started off with an entrepreneurship program. Uh, he ended up taking project management, leadership and management, global marketing, digital journalism. He says he wants to complete all the DAU courses. Okay. And, I mean, and by the time he spoke about it, like, maybe we can even have a diploma for people who do all the BAE certificate programs. Maybe they can get a diploma. Um, so if you complete all our programs, maybe they cannot have credit loads and you, you can get a diploma out of it. So it's it's uh, it's it's amazing, I think, um, to see that there's a real impact. Uh, and I think that's uh, a factor that encourages us to just keep doing what we're doing. Okay. Mm. So now let's talk about tactical community. How did you select those initial courses that you are going to offer when you launch this program? Like you can have pretty much chosen any sort of courses to offer. Why, why did this? We had an extensive we had some extensive research on what the market was looking for. Okay. The first one was entrepreneurship and innovation. Okay. For points was the only program we're offering. Okay. There are lots of people who want to get into entrepreneurship. They don't have any practical learning or education on on entrepreneurship. Okay. So we provide that learning for them. So there were lots of people who were interested. The next one that we felt was quite important was project management. There are lots of project management certifications around. And we were providing a very good project management learning that was practical, taught by, by a professional in an industry. Uh-huh. And we designed the program as well. Okay. Um, and we worked out the articulation for some of our programs. So we, we had articulation. Uh-huh. We have articulation from a few universities in the U.S., on some of these programs. Um, and then we thought about, again, just looking at the market and speaking to employers. Another cause that was really needed was leadership and management, okay. teaching leadership online. We got into that. There was marketing as well that came up. And we added, project man- um, we added uh, global marketing uh-huh. because, uh, there were, because there were lots of... Uh, People who are writing blogs and getting into some level of journalism, mm-hmm. but without any professional guide guideline on how to get into journalism and the rest. And there were already there were journalists who were also not that familiar with the digital. Aspect of journalism, so we also designed that program. So it was, we took, we did some surveys and polls and mm-hmm. came up with the set of courses that we we, we added, mm-hmm. and we are we're still planning on adding more courses okay. over the next uh, over the next few months. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you initially launched this while you were in school in yeah. Cyprus. Yeah. Yes. Before yes. you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. You run a company, first of all, you started this student circle network, and then it kind of transitioned into BAU, BAU, BAU online, Mm -hmm. gets birth, you know, you start getting a little traction, and then you graduate and decide to do this full-time. Now, you graduated at the top of your class, and basically you could have pretty much landed a job anywhere you wanted and Mm -hmm. kept doing this on the side. Why did you decide to focus on this 100%? I think the, the nicest way to put it was I was already in too deep. Okay. <laughs> I was in too deep. There was no going back. Okay. Yeah, so I think it was I think it's just a matter of what have I gotten myself into. Okay. But in reality, like I said, you started it in too deep. But every time you see the results, you want to do more. Yeah. Every time you see the problem, you want to even do more. Mm. So the problem is growing. The problem is not. It's not. The problem is the problem of access, quality, relevance. It's growing in a market. So you can't stop because if you, you have to do it. Yeah, it would. It would. It would be. The only way to solve or try to solve or have a little dent on the problem that we're trying to solve is by doing it. Okay. We can talk about it all we want. 
but it wouldn't change anything. We can write any opinion pieces, we, a number of opinion pieces we want. We can, we can make all the noise we want in the world, but if we do not do it, yeah, the problem will still exist. The problem would still exist, okay. and we are going to be the ones to suffer. That, suffer, because the reality is, if we're not producing high quality graduates to take up the jobs, uh, we're going to suffer in the country. Just like how we close our eyes to artisanship in this country 30, 20, 30 years ago, mm. and now we're suffering. You cannot find one good carpenter in Nigeria mm. that, that is consistent. Well, you can find, but it is hard to find a good carpenter, a good plumber, a good electrician. Electricians are burning people's houses. A good AC guy. A good. Uh, it's hard to find a good bricklayer. Yeah. And it is because we removed our focus from from artisanship and vocational uh, vocational studies and you know, we, the polytechnics lost their lost their value monotechnics lost, lost their value I don't even think many Nigerians know that there's something called a monotechnic there are monotechnics are polytechnics they all lost their value because everyone else is talking about university education university education and if we continue like that the same thing is going to happen to university education so some, someone has to do something about it and I don't think we're recovering from the issue of vocational learning anytime soon yeah because those are basic skills that everybody's going to live in a house, yes. a house, buy a house. Yes. If your plumbing fails, it will be stuck. You're a big shot CEO, you have your nice Mac laptop, your plumbing fails, and the water flows into your room and flows into your laptop. Your laptop yeah. is done. Yeah. You have a short circuit in your house, it fries your PC, yeah. it's, it's done. The, the, the damage, you know, it, it spills over. So, we, we are going to be the ones to suffer. Uh, you know, in my journey so far, I've had interactions with Nigerian businesses where I'm saying, come and support us. Let's do, let's build out this thing. Let's make this thing work. We will, we will produce fantastic graduates for you guys. And I'm saying, man... And we're asking them for endowments of 20 million, 15 million naira, nothing too big. And then it is too expensive. And then you see tomorrow in the news, they're sponsoring one artist with 50 million naira. <laughs> yeah, and then they're not trying to put in something where they can. At the end of the day, who, which graduates are they going to employ? Yeah. They all going to come out and say, oh, Nigerian graduates are not good enough. Oh, these are, yeah. But they're not supporting the academic institutions. They're not supporting research. They're not doing anything. But they come back to me and complain about how Nigerian graduates are not employable. Mm. They're the first to come out and shout about it, but they will never do anything about it. Yeah. You know, I had a, a clear issue of where we are, when we were building out our library. We went to a particular bank and we said, Oh, we'll give you accounts, we, we, we'll have business level advantages to work for you guys to support our campus. Um, we're only asking you for. 30 million the first year, uh -huh. and every other year you give us 5 million. So it amounts to uh, particular, I think, it amounts to 50 million uh, naira. Uh -huh. This is naira. Uh -huh. And they said it was too expensive to give us 30 million naira to build our library. But we're going to give them accounts, we're going to give them transactions, so they're going to make money on COT. But no. So I think it's how myopic it's, it's become. So I think if we make that same mistake with higher education, we'll find ourselves where we are with vocational education in the next 20 years. Yeah, so someone has to do something. You come back to Nigeria, you have to do your mandatory one-year NYS. Yeah. You have to do your mandatory one-year NYC. What did you learn in the course of that process um, that helped crystallize in your mind that you were actually on the right track, doing the right thing? I think the first step was uh, realizing at that point that many Nigerian graduates didn't have a good grasp of technology. So I felt like I think it's time for us to really do something about it. Um, second one was my, my interaction with Nigerian graduates. I realized that there was something missing that we can do something about. Um, I have this bold quote, which I say is, education is not just about 
teaching people how to make a living. It's also it's very important to, education is about teaching people how to live. And I think we might just be spending so much time uh-huh. teaching people how to make a living without teaching them how to live. Uh-huh. Um, spending, a, spending time in, in camp with over 2,000 young people like myself and having interactions with them. I was I became very worried about the future of the country. The only a handful that with interaction by interacting with them rather, you could see that they had a vision, a focus, a direction, a goal, and they focused on it. The other ones were like papers floating through the wind. And it's it's uh, it's it's disheartening. Uh, very simple things, and I think it, it all comes down in, in the regular society. Which is, that's the reason why you see someone driving one way, you know, driving opposite traffic when the roadway is not supposed to, because he sees that road is you know empty. He puts his head there. All these things are down to education. But if you're not, if you're only going to teach them how to make a living and teaching them about their courses and teaching them, and not teaching them about interpersonal skills, you're not teaching them about respecting others, respecting the law, and teaching them about communication, collaboration, cohabitation. That's why neighbors are fighting. That's you know, um, lots of a lot of indiscipline, and indiscipline in the sense of personal indiscipline, uh, discipline of waking up on time and going to work. And the dignity of labor. Yeah. I think that is something that is very much missing in Nigerian, in Nigerian schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, spending time in foreign universities and going around, I realize your classmates can be the one working in the coffee shop when you're coming to drink coffee. He's going to be the waiter who's going to attend to you. But you do not lose any respect for him. Yeah. It does not matter that he works in a, in a, in a, in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. You guys are still going to end up in, in class together. Tomorrow, it might be you, you are the one behind, you might just be the one on shift. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, someone is working in, students are working in the library, students are working in the coffee shops, students are working in restaurants, laundromats, students are teaching assistants, working as, you know, potters in the crystals and all of that. So there's dignity of labor. You don't make down on a guy because he's working in a coffee shop. You're still learning together. And I think that, that's missing. It's missing a lot. So we rarely see Nigerian students who work while they're in, in uni. They're not even encouraged to work well in uni. Um, so when they when they graduate, they're just like a fresh slate of nothing. Um, they don't even have the basic work experience. No, no work experience. No one discipline. No, 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 no appreciation of no appreciation of business communication. I still receive messages from graduates where they write me an email. It's abbreviations and chat language. So, but if you had worked in in an organization or worked somewhere and they've learned about filing and reporting channels and all of that and business communication, a lot of things would be a bit different. It might not be, it might not be, I'm not trying to sell it as the perfect solution to solving all of our problems, Mm -hmm. but I believe it's a good way to start solving our problems. Mm -hmm. And then again, if you also look at the issue of access to education, where 2.2 million students are trying to get into universities, and all the institutions of higher education can only take about 540,000, I have a shortfall of over a million four hundred. What happens to those 1.4 million students? Every year. That's a shortfall, right? So they're now going to next year, which has about 2 million, trying to take their plus 1.4. No, no. It's next year, another 200, no, no, another 800,000 students okay. might finish oh, wow. to join the other 1.4, and then okay. it, it keeps adding up. It keeps adding, yeah. it keeps adding up. And we might not really see the full effect, because again, in Nigeria, I've done a lot of research, we might not really see the full effect of. Uh, of this shot, this shot for, but I, I can bet you that if you have more engaged youths who are working on different solutions to solve the problems Nigeria has, terrorism will be lower, robbery will be lower, 
online scams, all the things giving us bad news. People who are trying to smuggle stuff across borders and Nigerians are being embarrassed across the world because these young people don't have any job. They don't have any, and they have to. They have to survive. They have to one world together. They have to wear clothes. They have to buy shoes. They have to buy credit for their phones. Right? They don't have any way of making money because they don't have any education. And of course, the society doesn't encourage them to have any skill or focus on those skills. It's a problem. I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not trying to paint it as a picture you know, to, that solves all our problems. If you go to the U.S., people finish high school, and it is a big deal when they finish high school. Not many people in the U.S. even want to go to the university. But the thing is, they know. If you finish high school, you can work somewhere. You can focus on that thing. You're proud of the work you do. And you can make a living out of that work. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of these handymen in the U.S. Mm-hmm. When they go home, they live in very comfortable houses with their wives and children. Yeah. But they're just they're handymen. They come to your house, they do the plumbing, they do the roofing, they do the electricals. In here, it's considered menial jobs. But then you can live free, okay. So the university is not for everyone. It's for people who want to go to the university. So what we can do is provide access to the people who want to go to the university and provide alternate forms of learning where people can really gain skills that can earn them a living, an honest living. And yeah, the rest can be history. We, we start to see a, a bit of a change in the, the situations in the country. So now, what about the state of the um, curriculum of the universities in Nigeria? And what, because people always talk about, oh, the Nigerian graduates are half baked, never referring to the fact that it's the universities that are half baking the graduates. Teaching them things like Fortran and Pascal when it's 2014, 2015, and we're now talking about Ruby and Rails and Python and stuff like that. So I think I think it's the responsibility of of universities to invest in curriculum development. And do Nigerian universities invest in that? I don't know. Okay. You can you can find another university oh. proprietor to ask. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's the responsibility of universities to to invest in uh, to invest in curriculum development. Mm-hmm. The uh, the policy making body uh, has given every university a benchmark to work with. So it is the onus is on the universities to invest in improving on that benchmark and building on it to solve the market problems and solve the market needs. But I think a lot, a lot can be done. We're not anywhere close to what what we should be doing yeah. in regards to curriculum development. So, you start the program with online. You're back in Nigeria. You're doing it. So, you're thinking of expanding the program. And then what happens? What, what were the challenges you ran into in terms of like making your university like legit in Nigeria? Um, we have, we, have to, we, have to go, we have to go back to the entire the entire process of uh, accreditation, and we have to follow the guidelines provided by the government. There is no way around it. So I think that was that was the biggest of challenges, having to invest a lot in, in, in infrastructure and. Uh, and the rest, but yeah, that's that's big, and that on its on its own provides a lot of provides a lot of challenges. Yeah, so yeah, that's so it. having to buy physical structure, land, yeah. buildings, equipment, yeah. libraries, all that type of stuff. Yes, it's it's the most challenging of all things uh, because the fact is, as you're building the structures, there's no going back. There's nothing else you can do with that structure. It's, it's an institution, it's an institution, that's it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a journey, and uh, uh, looking back, I think it's been it's been worthwhile investing in all of those things, because we, we have a better understanding of the market, and I think we, it has allowed us to really modify our offering, mm-hmm. and I think we have, right now we have a more holistic offering than we had in the beginning. Okay. So in terms of, like, financing... The acquisition of like infrastructure mm-hmm. in Nigeria. How are you going about doing that? We are going about it everywhere. We're taking donations. We are seeking investments and seeking grants and taking out loans. Every possible funding option. Mm-hmm. We are going. We're looking at them. Um, 
unfortunately, well, looking at it from the funding angle, I would say unfortunately we we don't have the kind of slush funds that uh, religious organizations have. So we can't we can't just you know have people in, in large numbers uh, compelled to bring out cash the way the religious organizations you know, sort of find themselves uh, to, you know, able to do. Um, so, yeah, we are looking to do everything possible. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the discipline of not having enough funds to run your business has maybe created in terms of we've become quite you package. We've become quite innovative and creative and we've modified our structures in a way that we are almost... Perfect, perfectly, yeah, almost like, almost perfectly, almost perfectly, almost perfectly, I don't know how to put it, but we've come to the point where our, our, our framework is perfectly designed in models, that they're all individual models now that are, that are independent and self-sustaining and they all come together to become the institution and that came out out of not having the sort of free funds that uh, other organizations sort of have so we've become quite innovative and creative with our fundraising use of funds implementation framework structure the rest of that so in terms of like your faculty and people that provide that training um, you mentioned earlier before we had the interview that you were setting up an office in Boston where professors from like schools in the Boston area, Harvard, MIT and all that could come in and take classes in that office and then students in, on campus and attend. How did that come about? Um, look, we realized that uh, with globalization and the fact that our students have to work in a global economy, they have to compete globally, we can't just subject them to learning from here alone. We have to give them a lot of exposure. And the easiest way to give them that exposure is to get them um, international faculty to teach them. Same way we expect our own faculty here to go to international universities and teach. So our students in those other universities can also get international exposure uh, and understanding of the American of the African market and Nigerian market so vice versa we want our students to have a good understanding of of international markets and the rest and we just have you know professors who are of good repute and who are known for various disciplines take seminars and, and conferences and all of that via live video feed with our students on, on campus yeah. and that's for BAU as opposed to yes for BAU, for BAU yes. Okay. yeah of course this is recorded and students from BAU online will have access to the same content yeah. anyway yeah, so that's that's even the easier part okay yeah in Nigeria right now 2016, um, as we said earlier, there's lots of pent up demand. There's also macroeconomic challenges with oil prices falling, foreign exchange restrictions. Um, have all these issues contributed to making BAU an attractive and viable alternative to sending kids abroad when parents know that they have this? Uh, I think I think we found we found ourselves in a very unique place at a very unique time. So, uh, smart parents are the ones who would make decisions to send their kids to BAU because it is cheaper for them to send them to BAU, knowing that they get the same learning and experience and training that they would have gotten from a foreign university. Traveling abroad is not a problem. They can always get a visa and travel abroad if they want to enjoy the environment. But if we really want to get the learning, the real reason why leaving the country, and learning, you can easily get it at our campus. And um, they're also close by home. The parents have a level of comfort. Even though they're not 
they're not going to school from home, but then the kids are close by because the foreign education. I think it's just, it's not what I'm good. The kids can always go to the U.S. and do holidays and spend time there. We have interaction with other people. And we also, we also have, we also have a growing, we have a plan to have a very much, uh, extensive um, no community of foreign students okay. so we intend to have students from other countries studying at our campus okay. so our market isn't just here okay. so we intend to have students you know, studying at our campus and, um, yeah because okay. like you mentioned earlier like people from Somalia Syria and Nepal yeah. as opposed to traveling to the US spending typical American education has anywhere from $20,000 that's the minimum the minimum yeah, yeah. 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 So, so how, how does your pricing compare to that in terms of value to like that? I would, I would, I would no. Okay. Let's see, let's say so from $20,000. Okay. So, I want to so bad. Okay. Yeah. That's for a full degree program? Um, yeah. Okay. No, not full. So done. Every year. Every year. Every year. Of okay. course. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so we're, we're, that we're, we're pretty much priced like the, the some of the state colleges. Okay. So we're about five thousand dollars a year. Okay. Yeah. And that, that covers the tuition and board and body. Okay. Yeah. Even though even in the American the investors, the five thousand is just a tuition. Yeah. So ours is including includes the body. Okay. Mm-hmm. So where did you buy where did you buy the infrastructure? Like the location with the we picked Calabar as opposed to Abuja, Lagos, or Atapak. Why was Calabar there? Well, Calabar provides us everything that we need. Okay. We were building out in Benue State initially, mm-hmm. but we bought land there and started out there. But we had to make a decision to go to Calabar because of some reasons. Okay. Security being the most of it. Um, but Calabar gives us everything that we need. I think that's the best way I can put it. Okay. We, we are not talking so much about our campus. You know, saying we're actually quite uh, restrictive in. Uh, we're talking about our our campus and all of that, so we're ready to start uh, coming forth with the campus where it is, the structures there, and the rest. But uh, but Calama provides us everything we need: access to an international airport. Our campus is about 20 minutes from the airport. Good road network, security, ambience, landscape. It's a beautiful place. So having a campus in a beautiful, quiet place, what more can what, what more can a, a business want? Yeah. And um, as we transition into the more personal side of this interview, um, the online university, for example, um, currently have a few courses of. If someone were to say they want to start, let's start maybe an online law program. I'll put it this way. What are your plans for expansion for the online curriculum? Well, we are bringing other courses and other. We are, you know, the thing is, the process of having these courses come online is not just, oh, we have a course, we have a course, we want to add and just put it up. You have to design the course. You have to design all the content, you have to design all the continuous assessments, you have to design the, you have to come in with textbooks and all of that and then um, you have to either get it accredited or by a professional body or you get an, an accredited institution to uh, articulate that program so it's not, it's not, a, it's not a it's not it's not that much of a, of a simple process really it's a, it's a it's an intricate process that is quite tasking. So we continue to add more programs as we are able to. We, like we have plans of increasing the number of programs we have to, to twenty, mm-hmm. but we also don't want to get lost in lots of programs. We don't want to get lost in that. We want to be able to do programs that we know will always have students every semester. That's it. Okay. Mm. And like you said, law program. The only way a law program can be done is if we get the Council for Law Education to uh, sign off on the program and blah blah blah. It's a very intricate process. You can't even do any professional law program without all of that. So yeah, so we can only do the things that we are uh, we are able to do policy wise. Yes. 
but I've, I've surrounded myself with people who have qualifications in education and people with PhDs, multiple PhDs, professors, and the rest. I surround myself with myself with people who are way more experienced than I am. I always want to get into my team meetings and learn from my team members. I, I don't want to be the smart, smartest person in the room. I just want to be the person who can bring smart people together and create an environment for smart people to work together without any conflict. That's what my own focus really is, and I think. There is, there's no, there's no, there's no single solution. But for me, that's what works for me. It can, it might work for somebody else that they are the smartest person in the room. That's perfect. But for me, I prefer that I, I'm able to bring smart people and they can work together. And uh, that uh, makes me happy, man. So how did you connect to these people, and how did you build up that team and that support system to help you as you're building? Like, that's, that's what I said earlier. Always be ready. Okay. Know so much about what you're doing. So if I know enough about what I'm doing and I go into a meeting that I'm trying to talk to a professor and I reach out to a professor and he has conversations and he realizes, okay, well, I know quite enough about the industry for him to, and I know enough about the business I want to do that I can communicate my vision and communicate my, my goal and communicate my, communicate the reason why I want to do what I'm doing. You would definitely find people who want to be support, you definitely people who, who, who want to get involved and all of that. So I've, I've met lots of people who are, who bring, who are bringing out their time, their efforts. I, I think I have the best team in the world. They, they put in all their efforts. You even think that the project is, you think, think they found out the project um, because of the amount of time and effort they put into it. I think it all comes out, it all came down to me being able to communicate the vision to them and impacting the vision in them that they are running with the vision on their own. Um, I don't even have to be there for them to run that vision. I don't have to be there for them to, to think, be personally. And that's it. You know, always write, write it down so you can share it out to as many people as possible. Yeah. I don't want to quote the Bible, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty much it. By the time you, you have it, you have a good understanding, then you can find people that would be able to connect to that good understanding you have yeah. of what you want to do. And that's it. Yeah, and I started off with my circle. I started with my professors who were teaching me in school at the time I started this. And so my professors were finishing class, and in the evening they come to teach at BAU online because they just they believed in what I wanted to do. And and, I, and the only reason why they could believe it partly would be that I was able to communicate it to them. Yeah, that's it. Communication is really important. So, yeah. And so how did you develop these communication skills? I just, I think I'm still learning. Okay. Uh, when I look at the emails I sent four years ago, I cringe. I can't read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll ask myself, like, I sent that email. <laughs> so, even when I look at proposals I drafted four years ago, when I look at emails I sent four years ago, I cringe at them. But uh, just to keep learning. Just to keep learning. That's, that's it. Just keep learning. By reading, you realize... Uh, Realize what new, what new um, systems are there, and just be as open as possible. You know, that's the thing. I'm, I'm, the, I'm one of the easiest people to reach. I might not be one of the easiest people to communicate with, but I'm one of the easiest people to reach. If you reach me and be able to hold my attention, what uh, once you can hold my attention, you've had my attention forever, really. And the problem is, if you can't really hold attention, the gap starts to build. And I think the same thing goes for any other person who wants to do anything. Always be open. The smartest person who might want to help you might just be a, a message away. So by being open, you get in touch with them. And uh, that's it. Yeah. And of course, networks are very important. Yeah. Friends of friends of friends of friends are super important. So, yeah. Okay. So, so I guess the last question is thrown off my personal question. <laughs> 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 it's on the direction you take it. Right. So, um, so many years from now, yeah. you know, down the road, when the biography of Gossip can work and be written, <laughs> what, what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> I just want to be that guy. I just want to be that guy who did his best at the time he had to do the best that he could do. Uh, and hopefully by God's grace, the best that I was able to do or I'm able to do is enough to have some impact that down down the line people can always benefit from. 
I'm sure the guy who started, the guy who started Cambridge, or the guy who started Oxford, Harvard, and, and, and all the people who started UPenn, people are still benefiting from that foundation that they laid, and that's pretty much it. Just lay a very good foundation that hundreds, hundreds of years down the line, people can always benefit from. From, from the foundation that you laid and I think that's what, that's pretty much what the goal is let, people, let's, let more people benefit from the foundation we're laying today even if it's not for my personal gain or what or what, what, what the fact that other people can gain from that foundation directly or indirectly people can gain from that foundation just by reading about your story and thinking it's possible same way I might have read about someone's story and felt it was possible um, I benefited from another person's foundation because it was someone who laid the foundation to the school I went to and uh, I got I benefited from the foundation of the, of the teachers I, I had in school primary secondary university a very little thing out of all those people I'm sure contributed to, to being here at this time doing this um, so yeah having having uh, having that story that's able to lay a foundation that people can benefit from at the time that story is being written uh, that's I think that's I don't know what else could be more fulfilling than that so that's pretty much that's it and if people want to reach you where can they I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter. Alright. Yeah, so it's just put my name on Twitter. I think I'm the, I'm the only gossip okay <laughs> on the internet. Um, yeah, so on Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash gossi. On Twitter, I'm twitter.com slash gossi omega. Okay. Uh, that's yeah, easy to reach. Yeah. Alright, and with that said, we're. At time, at the end of the interview, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Gussie, learning about your story, your vision, your mission, and of course, what, what you're trying to do for young students and just how, how you're trying to like give back to Africa at large and the world at large. So, thank you for coming on the show and we wish you more success. Hope to hear more from them. Yes, we're going to continue to hear more from Grace, definitely. Yeah. And oh, last thing I just remembered, um, you were recently nominated for Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award, I think last year or this year or something. Okay, last year was, uh, I won the, the, the Einstein Young yeah. um, Accelerated Entrepreneur mm-hmm. of the Year. Um, I think the one this year was uh, Young CEO, young CEO, and that's on on the continent. Yeah, so it's by the Africa CEO Network. Uh, Yeah. So I think I think I think people like the cool story. Yes. All these all all these cool stories and all these awards and stuff. How do you how do you maintain like your humility and your accessibility? Let me tell you how it is. I'll tell you what it is. Um, I've realized that with humility, you get farther. That's just the truth. With humility, you get farther. Everybody has a boss. There's nobody on this earth that doesn't have a boss. Nobody. Actually, there's nobody on this earth that can say they don't have someone they answer to. There's no president in this world that said they don't have somebody to answer to. They all answer to someone. So, um, and there's nothing you have that someone else doesn't have more. There's no possession you have on earth today, and there is no other person who has more. So what's 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 what is there to be proud of, really? And no matter your age and whatever you're doing, there's someone who has done it before. So, so yeah, all these things are just all these things are just extra stuff, really. And I think if the people that have helped me along the way were proud, full, or they were, yeah, and all of that, I don't think I would have gotten the much help I've gotten. So there are people who opened the doors to me. I hope to open my doors to other people. Um, which is why I said I'm easy to reach, but to hold my attention might be harder. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the people who contact me and they want to have chit chat, so hi, how are you? What did you eat? Uh, how was the night? Okay, <laughs> bye. Tomorrow they come again, hi. At the point, it gets boring. But if you're, if you're writing me and you're getting in touch and you want a single message, you can tell me all you want to tell me. Oh. Then we can develop a relationship from that where I have a clear, a clear definition of what our relationship is. Yeah. It can go to other things. Yeah. But at the beginning, I know exactly what I'm, we are communicating for. Yeah. You know? So if you're writing me and saying, you just want to be in touch, you'd like to work. That's amazing, really. 
So people just write me. If you're writing me because you want me to advise, that's fantastic. If you're writing because you want to advise me, that's even way better. I've, I've had people who just wrote me and said, oh, I've read about you. I'm a professor on so and so place. I like what you're doing. Reach out to me anytime you need help. And, you know, by being accessible, you get such people. Yeah. I've had meals where, like, oh, the president wants to meet you, or uh, the minister wants to meet you. Uh, you just, you know, it sounds like a joke yeah. until, the, the, until they say, okay, show up at so and so place, at so and so time. And you're there, and the person is there, and that's it. You know? that's, 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 that's how it works. And, and you develop relationships. You know, there's a particular guy I met. He's an entrepreneur here. Yeah. met him, nice guy, nice, cool. He just got in touch. He was coming to Lagos. He was just coming with some people. I connected with him. We became friends. About a year down the line from us being friends, he introduces me, and I have sit-downs with the president of his country and the deputy prime minister and the rest of that. You just never know. Yeah. And I'm not saying create this relationship because of these things. Yeah. You can also be the one opening the doors for these people, but being able to be something for people and other people be something for you. There's no, there's no, there's no thing. I think it's only African this thing that I, to have that type of love. <laughs> I was, I was somewhere last year, and I, I was with some of the richest people in the world, richest entrepreneurs, and and they were all as accessible as possible. Like, I, yeah, I think I'll end it with this. I keep telling people if. The thing doesn't affect me going to heaven. It doesn't affect my sleep at night. I don't think it's what it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if you're proud, it doesn't change your account balance. It yeah. doesn't. <laughs> if, 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 if being proud means every two, two seconds, like your account balance will be doubling, I, I'm going to be proud now. Uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't. It doesn't even. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. It doesn't advance anything. There's no advantage actually. There's no real advantage. So it's not a matter of do the pros uh, match match up against the cons. There's no pro at all. So there's no big deal. Yeah. So that's it. It's one of those things. And with that, thanks, Gossy, for coming on the show. Okay, so thanks for tuning in once again, guys. Sincerely apologize for the quality of the interview this time around. Um, It was really (laughs) a a big challenge trying to get all the background noise out. So I do hope you were able to all listen in and get some of the valuable wisdom bombs out of that. We'll be doing a transcription of the show in the not-too-distant future so that those of you that found it a little difficult to understand will get an edited, clean, written transcript of the interview. That way you won't miss anything. And you'll only be get able to get that transcript if you sign up on our website for our email blast and our newsletter. So go to www.odeshi.com for more details. And Gossi has been gracious enough to offer a few, just a handful of scholarships to help students that are willing to take courses at Benny American Online. And that's online, O-N-L-I-N-E dot B-A-U dot E-D-U dot N-G. So online.bau.edu.ng is where you'll get the online university. And you want to sign up for a course, write to them on their website and just say that you heard about Benny American off the Odeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur podcast episode, and that you'd like to sign up for one of their courses. And Gossi himself will personally provide a coupon code for you to take one of their courses so that's a very gracious and generous offer that he's extended to the listeners of the podcast and i would say yeah you you really should take him up on that offer if you're serious about upgrading your skills and becoming more marketable in this job environment so thanks for tuning in once again i will see you next time on odeshi the bulletproof entrepreneur Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. 
Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.